0: Welcome to the Dig In Travel Podcast, where travel and other digital professionals level up their marketing skills by listening to the top industry experts. And now here's your host, Istok Franco, founder of digintravel.com, your number one resource for travel, digital, e-commerce, and marketing.
1: Hi, this is Istok and you're listening to episode 41 of the Dig In Travel Podcast. We are starting our biggest yearly research project the 2023 Airline Digital Optimization Yearbook here at Travel, so we are going back to our digital roots on this podcast as well. During our last 2022 yearbook project, we benchmarked more than 50 airlines in the area of digital analytics, UX, research and experimentation, so I am really excited to work with Airline Digital Pros for the 2023 benchmarks. If you are an Airline Digital Pro and want to get involved or want to participate in the research, please let me know. For today's episode, I talked to Matt Revlich, who is a Managing Director of Roberta Consulting Group. But before starting his consulting career earlier this year, Matt was a Manager of Digital Analytics and Optimization at the second largest Canadian airline, WestJet Airlines where his main focus was growing maturity levels with WestJet analytics and optimization programs. Matt shared a lot of useful insights on how to grow your airline digital optimization team, what kinds of tools are needed for optimization, we talked about the topic of first and third-party data and a lot of other things. If you are an airline digital, UX or analytic pro, I think you'll love this episode. Matt is also posting regularly on LinkedIn and his blog, so please check his work there as well. Now, let's jump into my chat with Matt. Hi Matt, and welcome to the Digging Trail podcast. Hello. Uh, Hi Matt. Uh, So this is an international podcast and we do it through our different time zones you're in alberta in canada right
2: that's right yeah, that's... Uh, and thanks very much for having me uh on the digging uh travel podcast i uh, really appreciate uh being invited on
1: yeah so as we were doing the prep talk for this podcast i was in croatia and you told me you were here uh, you were in croatia several times right
2: uh yes uh, i love croatia um i have family from croatia um I haven't been there for a while, so I think the last time I was there was two thousand thirteen and uh I think the currency was still Kuna back then and <laughs> uh i I you know I know they switched over but um i I had a great time and I had a great time kind of doing some partying on the beaches and I'll leave it at that
1: they will switch next year, which will make my life coming from Slovenia because we have euro easier so Oh, There's oh! so to... they haven't actually switched over yet? No, no. I think it's in that three or six months, something like that.
2: Oh, okay. So that, I think that was just announced when we were there. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought it had already happened. That's me being uh, ignorant because I haven't been there for so long. But yeah, I love Croatia. I'm jealous you, uh, you were there. The
1: next podcast has to be live there. Man. I agree. I'm, <laughs> I'm in for
2: sure. I'm, I'm okay. definitely going to be there.
1: Okay. So I wanted to talk to you, Matt, because I follow some of your work, especially recently. Because I think you moved to, let's say, to our side uh, of the, the industry, to consulting, to producing great content after seven years on, or seven plus years, I think, on working on digital optimization analytics team at WestJet, right? So maybe yeah. if you can tell our listeners just a little bit about your journey.
2: Yeah, for sure. So I am currently the managing director for Alberta Consulting Group. ACG. We're specializing in optimizing our clients' digital experiences using what current tools they have and helping them prepare for the future. There's a lot of, I would say, uncertainty in the market today around sort of what cookie list looks like. How are we going to be getting digital analytics? How are we going to be personalizing experiences? So our team is working uh, with a, a few different clients to try and solve those issues. But uh, at the same time not kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater <laughs> in terms of what's what's there in the Mar- Martech stack today. We're mainly experts in the Adobe Experience Cloud uh and the, we're starting to dabble in the Experience Platform which kind of gives us a unique understanding of how best to use uh customer data and create, you know, fantastic personalized experiences. Uh, in my previous role, I was with uh, WestJet Airlines. Uh, I was the manager of uh, digital analytics and optimization there before I left in, in January now. But I think my experience with WestJet allows me to bring insights gained from you know managing large teams across different departments uh, within WestJet, growing maturity levels with our analytics and optimization programs. And one of the things I'm pretty proud about is like our programs uh, saw that we we doubled monthly web visits and generated, you know, over 300 million in incremental revenue. And th- that was with mobile alone. And, you know, also didn't compromise any customer satisfaction levels at the time. So uh, we saw some great growth. I was there over the pandemic. And, you know, we definitely saw a lot of uncertainty, of course, a lot of <laughs> a loss of revenue, um, as everyone else in the industry knows about. So that's, I, I'm talking about the very good times in t- the 2019 times, and then the kind of the drop. And now we're seeing that uh, those passenger levels and, and those revenue levels start to come back now, which we're very excited about, but, you know. Going from highs to very, very lows in uh, 2020, there, that was my experience. And yeah, re- really interesting times to be part of the airline industry.
1: Yeah, no, very interesting background and a very interesting journey. One of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, among other challenges that you mentioned, <laughs> is uh, you've written, written recently a blog post about optimization and optimization maturity. And as we are preparing here and digging trail, because we do annual airline digital optimization benchmarks mm-hmm. each year and publish the yearbook, so this is one of the topics that is uh, really interesting to me. And maybe before we start, because I'm sure that part of the growth and success that you mentioned that WestJet was tied to your optimization program, maybe let's start with the basics. Uh, what do you see, or? why do you define as optimization or digital optimization
2: yeah it's i think it's different in a few places so in my view when i talk about optimization i'm i'm and my background is digital so i'm usually talking about optimization on on web yeah, or digital properties uh in that case usually it it involves Doing experimentation and testing, and, and and seeing what works and what doesn't with your customers, and also I, I bring into that personalization as well. So I think I think testing and personalization go hand in hand. I think you you really need to test experiences to understand what's going to work with your customer segments. So that's kind of my thinking around what an optimization program is, how do we experiment and make things better for the customers and then give them a personalized experience that's going to, you know, make them enjoy the experience of purchasing, say in the airline industry, purchasing a flight, uh, purchasing a vacation package, checking their loyalty program, like what, what is their, what is their journey? Uh, what works through experimentation uh, for that specific segment and, and then giving them a, a personalized experience, giving customers an experience that they'll enjoy and come back for. I think that's key in optimization.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I see this, as I said, in our benchmarks. Your point that experimentation and personalization go hand in hand because one of the areas that we ask about, or let's say we try to benchmark is how many airlines consolidates this to run optimization and personalization in the same department. And we see more and more airlines doing that, So, which I think it's a smart way because it's really... You cannot do smart personalization without measuring, testing, and optimizing it. Um, yeah. Now going to, let's see, the, your blog post, and I'll link the article in our show notes for our audience uh, to go and check it because I think it's a very good overview. You're talking about optimization maturity model, and I think you have like five steps. uh, And we have written about this in the past. So going from, let's say, start to more centralized uh, model and then hybrid and some, let's say, more mature organization have center of excellence model and they are more like uh, educational role playing for different optimization, several optimization teams. And then finally having optimization embedded completely in the organization DNA. Uh, can you talk a little bit about this, uh, let's say, model, but I'm also interested in if you can share some experience from your past experience, maybe at WestJet, how this evolved, uh, how your maturity
2: evolved? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so yeah, I, I did recently publish this bo- blog post that had a maturity model that's something standard. I think actually I started working on it (laughs) at WestJet and we started to put this in place. And I think actually they're continuing on with it today as well. But I think I saw this evolve while I was there over time. And really, yeah, there are five steps in in the model. And I think it's important too that sometimes... It's not really a linear process as well. It's like you can move from different stages back and forth depending on your needs. For example, during the pandemic, um, we were doing less testing and had to focus more on you know, what revenue could we generate through the program? What data in the analytics side, what data do we have to provide reporting back to uh, you know, our revenue management teams um, to let them know like what traffic is looking like on the site, things like that, that became yeah. like a major focus. Uh, so, of course, uh, at certain times, your program may need to take a step back depending on where you are. So, yeah, I just wanted to mention, I think that you can move up to one level and maybe even move back at some points or or take a step back to see what's going to work uh, for your needs. Um, but yeah, basically uh, the the five stages. Uh, first off, is sort of enterprising, and I think this is more when you sort of onboard the tools for testing and personalization. Uh, I'm very familiar with Adobe Target, so I I uh, and that's what we used at WestJet, and that's what I'm using with a lot of my clients today's Adobe Target, uh, which has the testing capabilities, but also personalization. And I think to your point around teams sort of having that uh, embedded in, uh, you know, one, uh, like sort of personalization and uh, testing together in one team, it kind of helps when the tools do, like people are familiar with the tools and they have sort of the s- similar capabilities that that sort of helps um, with that process. But um, the first step in the optimization model is sort of enterprising. And this is where you have Maybe one individual who's part of a digital team or uh, part of a content team who starts working on testing. I, I call
1: them, I, I call this person yes. the the optimization enthusiast. <laughs> exactly.
2: Yes, that's a great name for it. Actually, like he's very enthusiastic about testing. Sees the sees the potential. I feel like I was this person <laughs> when I was at WestJet. Um, this is kind of the, the, my introduction to getting into into data and, and testing. I started working and doing a bit of this and building out that program. So I saw the potential and uh, got very excited and, and bought, bought in really easily. And then I tried to tell everyone, <laughs> hey, this works. <laughs> so gotcha. I, you, you know you can start sort of doing a few tests here and there. Um, my suggestion is always to like, look for like low hanging fruit, uh, with, you know, colors, um, copy, things like that. Uh, like easy, easy things you can easily copy. Copy change. is a good one.
1: I think often neglected, yeah. neglected, but, and has a huge impact and easy to change and easy to
2: test, but can have a potentially very, good, uh, very big impact. Huge, huge. So for, I'll give you an example of an early test we ran at WestJet. Uh, was, uh, the, the issue was that we, uh, we only had one way for people to get into a sale. Um, and that was, uh, basically you had to go through a homepage, uh, hero banner, uh, and click through to get to the, la- the sale landing page. Um, if you hit the site, so people would get an email of course, and go directly to the landing page, but if they came to the site, uh, from any other place like Google search, um, they'd be on a, uh, you know, somewhere else besides the homepage and have no idea that a sale was happening because there was nowhere on our site uh, telling them that except for the homepage. Uh, so what we did was we, we added uh, sort of like a yellow sale button into our um, mega nav. And mm-hmm. this was a global element that went across the entire site. And um, the site at the time, and I believe still is, is, was a responsive site. So it worked on mobile and uh, desktop. And what we actually saw were more visits to the uh, sale landing page, but also more qualified. We saw actually more conversion happening from the site uh, of people clicking through on that button uh, to the landing page and then actually booking. Uh, than just the regular homepage uh, mm-hmm. banner, so we saw not only more traffic but more qualified traffic going to the sale landing page, uh, and it was true for both mobile and for desktops. So that was some interesting findings, and it was just basically adding a adding a button in, and then that was sort of the start. I think that must have been back in two thousand eighteen now, but that that's a simple example of okay, no great know, one. something we could do.
1: As you said, as you move through these maturity stages, okay, then you have a centralized team or even several optimization teams. Mm -hmm. What were basically, as you look back through your journey, what were some of the key learnings, what would you do do differently or what do you think you should do more about?
2: (laughs) I think one of the things that I noticed, so when I, I, like I became the team lead for optimization. And and then I really started to dig into why, uh, you know, some like, what I noticed was they were doing, the team was doing some great testing, uh, and having some great results and giving people reports and but nothing was being actioned. Uh, changes weren't taking place on the site. And uh, like, it was obvious that there were clear winners that weren't being accepted. So I was curious, like, why this was because uh, it had been proven that certain things generated more revenue <laughs> in certain places or or a better experience. Uh, but a lot of times there was there was a testing uh, results that were not uh, or being ignored. And what I realized was with the centralized model, um, it was really hard for one team to kind of go into another team say like a product team um, that's very focused on you know their roadmap and try to um, say hey you need to do this or like uh, put tickets into their on their roadmap and say this is you know this is important uh, without the buy-in right Mm -hmm. it was kind of like you you threw things over the fence and just kind of hoped that people would take it so what I really think um, is uh, essential is getting the buy-in of the product teams that you're working with and the things that you're testing to understand the testing process and understand you know what goes into it and then understand like get them excited about mm-hmm. wanting to test things and and wanting to run experiments and make that really good user experience because I, I think ultimately their goal is to make it the best experience for their guests mm-hmm. um, and testing is. Is essential to to doing that. So, getting into their sprint cycle or their process and and building testing into that process is key. And that's something that we really tried to do at WestJet. Uh, and that's where you start to move into the hybrid model and move up the maturity when you get uh, testing sort of it, like right into that sprint.
1: And you get dedicated
2: development, let's say. For, that's
1: right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a very good point. And I think most of the people that I talk to, that's let's say, to take uh, optimization and experimentation to an X-level, you have to have dedicated uh, dedicated development resources or pipeline. But like you said, most the reality is that in most companies or most airlines, they don't have that. So in that role, the, the soft skills, the internal, let's say, sales skills, communication skills with your product team are key. And I think this is a very, very good
2: point. Yeah. And I think, I think in that situation, it's when you have limited resources, you, you, you try to do what you can with what you have and showcase the results because then I think that's how you then get buy-in from leadership to help you add those resources needed because if you can showcase that you're adding incremental revenue through your testing program and your leadership sees that incremental revenue or, or increased experience in cer- certain ways or, you know, I, I, I know revenue is a huge, <laughs> it's a huge important piece of the pie in the, in getting buy-in from the leadership, especially in the airline industry, like where your margins are so thin. You know, you if you can showcase that, you can start to ask for those resources to become available, and I think that's how you start to build the program out a little bit more. And um, especially now, like I, I I know uh, things are still uh, getting back uh, to pre-pandemic levels, and um, it's hard. But I I think there's a big opportunity uh, for airlines right now to win at customer experience like because everyone's going to have you know issues with staffing they're going to have issues with baggage (laughs) they're going to have issues with cancellations everything like that's that's just going to be common nature for and and you know there's some things that you can't avoid but i think if you can improve the customer experience even in those situations that's where you're going to win and that's where you're going to build loyalty no no great
1: points and like i What we see, because this is also one thing that we serve in our benchmarks, is how do you share the results? Is it shared only within the optimization team? Is it shared within the e-commerce team, digital team, or maybe even across the whole organization? And we see that the best, let's say, the leaders in our industry, but I don't think this is only for our industry. They share results across the organization, and this is how you get this showcase and buy-in, like you said, and more support to get more
2: resources. So I think that's... really a great point yeah i, I was just going to say to that point you just showcase the wins like <laughs> tell everyone tell yeah. anyone who will listen and you know like yeah. just spread the word I, that i saw that work really well at WestJet, and and had people really bought in this again goes back to
1: maybe a little bit to organizational culture but i think that organizations that are not afraid to to share also the failures, you know, the learnings, because I think we learn more from the failures actually. But it's really difficult to to have a strong cu- culture enough to support. But if it's uh, understood as a part of the learning process, I think that that can work uh, very well as well if the cur- yeah. if the uh, organizational culture is right.
2: I'll, I'll say this: uh, we had our chief digital officer back. I can't remember exactly when he left but he started with us in 2018 and I think carried on until 2021. Yeah, uh, Alfredo Tan was our uh, chief mm-hmm. digital officer back then and he had a a mantra that was fail fast, learn fast and and he implemented that on our team and and spread that across sort of the digital world and it, I think it extended out as well but he really championed that and I think that helped mm-hmm. the Help the optimization program, uh, you know, be able to feel safe to showcase some of those fails, and 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 I think the the thing about failing is that you learn and you know what works and what doesn't, especially with your customers, and and you can pivot quickly to find out what does work. So you're, right, I think, you're completely right about that. Exactly.
0: Ceta is the air transport industry's IT provider delivering solutions for airlines, airports, aircraft and governments. Our technology powers more seamless, safe and sustainable air travel. With around 2,500 customers, CETA's solutions drive operational efficiencies at more than 1,000 airports while delivering the promise of the connected aircraft to customers of 18,000 aircraft globally. CETA also provides a technology solution that helps airlines worldwide bring their cabin crew into the digital era with an all-in-one digitalization tool. CrewTab, the tablet application for cabin crew, transforms daily airline operations from the ground up, unlocking the highest level of resource optimization, ultimate cost savings, innovative revenue generation opportunities and maximum passenger satisfaction.
1: So, one other thing that I wanted to talk, and you mentioned a little bit when you talked about experimentation, when we said uh, what optimization is, and you said it's optimization is a combination of experimentation and creating personalized customer experiences. And for this, you mentioned there are different tools, right, that you need. And maybe you said you're familiar with the dope Stack and, let's say, platforms. What in, in your mind, what kind of tools do you need to run a proper optimization program?
2: <laughs> Very <laughs> good question. <laughs> How much money do you have? No,
0: just <laughs> <laughs> oh, I agree. <laughs> and,
2: uh, if we go back to maturity model, this probably evolves with maturity as well, right? Yes, for sure. I think that that's kind of where you start to see a little bit more investment in your your tech stack as well. I think. I think one of the things I would say that I was thinking about before this uh, podcast started is um, uh, the data. Like data is key, of course, and I, everybody's going to say that. But I think one thing that um, we're seeing now, uh, especially with like what I was mentioning earlier around the cookieless um, yep. <laughs> world coming up. I mean, that's been delayed a little bit. Google said they're not um, deprecating cookies in Chrome till 2024 now. Uh, So there's a bit more time, but there's still ITP with Apple Safari and uh, privacy with Firefox. So, uh, I mean, it's still, I think, today affecting uh, some of your traffic, of course. So I think it's understanding, having a good understanding of the data you have, Uh, And then a big thing is combining that data with your other sources. So uh, a lot of times I've seen, like in my previous experience, there's been siloed data uh, in different areas. And you really like, uh, (laughs) I feel for a lot of the analysts sometimes because I know that there's a lot of stitching they have to do. But then there's also a lot of data wrangling that has to go on around, okay, where do I get the data for this. You have to go to different teams, figure out where everything is. Um, like when I think about airline, there's loyalty data, there's the digital data, there's uh, data coming in from flights, there's revenue management uh, information. Um, one thing that we started doing is our, our teams kind of realigned and we started working heavily with our revenue management um, data teams. Uh, and we would actually send them data uh, daily data feed of our digital data so they could start combining it into... So um, like uh,
1: flight searches, website searches, stuff like that. Exactly, yeah.
2: flight search data um, to, to sort of help them start to look at those patterns and see where they could uh, decipher uh, what people's interests were and, and how they could uh, better work that into their pricing or offer uh, discounts, things like that. Um, so, I, I sorry, I might be getting off topic, but I think data quality is good. Um, one of the things I think uh, really helps is if you're, you you have you do have a centralized data repository, and I <laughs> I don't like to ma- say that because I I know it's difficult. It's not an easy thing to do, um,
1: but by centralized data deposit, to mean like a CDP platform, something like yeah, that. Yeah,
2: so or you know, like a data data lake. Like I I like to say data lake, but um, yeah, CD, CDP is is key. And I've seen it. Uh, so from my experience working with Adobe products, um, I've seen people start to use the AEP product to centralize their data. So. Um, there's a, a schema where there's stream APIs are used to get streaming data to be pumped into the centralized data uh, resource in AP. Uh, and then they can take advantage of um, what's called the real-time CDP in Adobe, uh, where uh, basically the the profiles get built. So you can actually get a real-time profile of your customers and you start to see what events are happening on your site but also what's happening uh in other areas like what is are they a loyalty member um are you know are they not can can we convert them to a loyalty member and then Um, you
1: build personalization scenarios on top of
2: those exactly and and so there's there's the promise of one-to-one personalization, which I think is <laughs> is eventually doable. I mean, it's tough. I think it's it's a tough go and I, I haven't seen it, you know, to be honest, I haven't seen one-to-one uh, really working uh, a- anywhere uh, like that I've been at like fully, but what I do see working very well is, is the segmentations that can happen through that type of data. So within RTCDP, people start to qualify for certain segments. Uh, For example, say somebody is an anonymous user that comes to your site. Uh, They do some actions, uh, but then they fill out a form and add their email. So that starts to build their profile. Then maybe that email is already in your loyalty system. Then you can stitch that data together and start to see uh, their, their larger picture. And then maybe they start to qualify for like a loyalty tier, they're a bronze member, they're, uh, you know, they've flown to a certain place using points, things like that, that they can start to qualify for. And or maybe they've searched for, uh, you know, a trip to the Bahamas. Now you can start to show them certain advertising for Bahama flights. And that that information can be used uh, on-site and off-site through this RTCDP using destinations, such as Facebook, okay. Google, 360, uh, 360, things like that. So, um, <laughs> so anyway, I, I might be getting off topic, but- you No, know,
1: no, it's a great point. And something that now that you mentioned, I remember as we were talking before this chat, that you, I think you told me that one of your learnings looking back is not to be so focused only on conversion funnel, let's say on the booking flow optimization, but also on this secondary conversion, secondary goals. And I think the scenarios that you mentioned now, for example, getting people, anonymous users, or let's say users who don't have a profile, who don't have a loyalty profile, who didn't subscribe to our, I don't know, let's say special offers. Measuring this, let's say, secondary goals, secondary conversions that helps us. I think uh, getting people closer then to final conversion is something really important. And I think the scenarios that you are mentioned uh, are really important and often, I think, in my experience, neglected. And this is, I don't know, what you uh, said, uh, you had a similar feeling when you were working on this.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I was, cause I was thinking about when you invited me to this podcast and then I was thinking <laughs> about like, you know, we did a lot of booking flow and a lot of um, optimization work there and a lot of our key KPIs and metrics are focused on, on conversion and, you know, our conversion rates. And uh, one thing I think we neglected back then that I didn't, I don't know why I didn't, but I, like, I didn't really think about, you know, we should have had, uh a a conversion rate on our loyalty program we should have uh kind of thought a little bit more about uh you know maybe this person didn't book but can we convert them to uh to loyalty and and at that point are they more likely to book right so i think when when i was working I, i don't remember the exact uh number but loyalty members of course converted higher because they had points with us uh, they were more loyal to uh, the brand, uh, so we. I think. I think one of the things that we should have been a little bit more focused on is converting uh, people not only for bookings but also for loyalty and and that. Um, I, not that people aren't focused on that I just mean I, I'm talking about from a booking flow perspective yeah I'm no, sure <laughs> and I don't <laughs> I don't want people to listen to this and think that I'm uh, sliding the uh, loyalty team or something but um, not that people aren't focused on on loyalty but I think on the digital side we weren't as focused
1: there can be also different loyalty like we said like just marketing programs uh, email subscriptions things like that uh, building a web profile yeah. I think they're like secondary or Often, especially in e-commerce, I think in airline world where we say not maybe not converting necessarily to the main loyalty program, but to something that the marketing team has and then uh, more information about customers. And then based on that, you can build more relevant, I will, I will say relevant, not necessarily more personalized uh, offers and communication going forward. And which, like you said, I think in all experiences that I had, uh, definitely... Then helps with the final conversion when it's, yeah. once it comes to that. Okay, but maybe going back uh, to the stack when we are talking about. So we said okay, uh, getting the data, and I think browsing through your blogs. I said you were talking about data management plot, platform, decision management software, something like that, or an optimization tool. So. These, you would say, are the blocks, of course, next to the digital analytics, right? Let's say your core web analytics platform that help you not only run, but maybe also automate the optimization and personalization process, right?
2: Yeah. So that's, I think that's where we're we're going is um, sort of a future state is that I think most most airlines or most companies, uh, just knowing that a lot of people are using Adobe um, Experience Cloud, are probably going to make the move to the Adobe uh, Experience platform at some point if they haven't already, um, because they can align their uh, web data to be uh, available um, and then also connect it through to Adobe Target. So those profiles that I was talking about earlier uh, sort of tie into Adobe or into Adobe target and allow um, for uh, more personalization and more testing as well. You can do a lot of testing with your segments, but I think it all sort of comes down to like, is your, is your strategy aligned with the business goals? Because you can have a great, marketing stack and tools and like the best in the world. But if you're not aligned to, you know, your business goals, then I don't think your program is going to work out as well. So understanding what you're, uh, you're tracking on your website and why, uh, like why are we tracking certain things? Say, you know, like loyalty member logins uh, is something I've talked a lot about. Um, You know, anonymous users, uh, what people search for, uh, the traffic uh, to your booking uh, booking site, things like that. Um, understanding, you know, the the key KPIs um, is going to help you and your program grow. Uh, because I think once you understand that and you're tracking the right things, you're getting the right data, and then your strategy will align and uh, only help improve everything. So, I think. I've been mentioning the experience platform a lot and, and people are moving in that direction with CDP. Um, but also I think a, a good thing to note is also taking uh, kind of uh, inventory of what you have today, kind of take a step back and say, yes, we should probably, you know, start to look at these new tools, but what, what can we do with what we have today? If you're using Adobe analytics, uh, if you're using Google Analytics, like wh- what what data are you getting out of that, and are you able to create audiences that you can start to look at and break down and and use for your marketing data? Um, can you can you leverage a- Audience Manager in a way today that helps you with sort of your offsite advertising and uh, digital marketing? And can you can you also personalize things based on, you know, the data you're receiving today. Uh, Like, so that I think we always look to like what the latest and greatest is, but also I think we should also look at what do we have today and how are we using it in the right way? And can we, can we do better with what we have?
1: (laughs) Good points. Yeah. Because of, especially with analytics, I think we, as digital marketers, we are like fascinated with new new tools, like you said, and would like to move to the next great tool, but often don't care the basics, like setting up the basic analytics, like you said, understanding customers, yeah. right tracking. This, I think, is is often the best example of getting most of the tool that everybody is using, like you said, either Adobe and, or
2: Google or some other uh,
1: analytics tool. And-
2: and I was just going to say, too, like I, I did write a blog post, which I thought was kind of controversial, <laughs> where I said, you know, you should still buy third party data to, you know, do prospecting and look for um, possible new new uh, customers. Uh, and I don't think that's being talked about enough, like especially with Google kind of delaying the deprecation of third party mm-hmm. cookies and they're, they're the most predominant um, browser, I think it may, it's kind of 50 in this in the US mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to browsing. So Chrome is fifty, and then it's Safari and others like Safari is probably uh, qu- quite high, as well as uh, then you know the rest, Firefox and everything else. I think outside, I, uh, and I I didn't do the research on this. So this is something I read, but outside what I've seen is. Uh, outside of the U.S., it's about sixty-three uh, percent, uh, like at, on average, of people using Chrome. So, uh, third-party cookies still uh, give you quite a bit of data and can allow you to capture uh, more information and hopefully more customers and bring them into your into your site and into your world. Um, that that definitely will go away. So, I think I think there still needs to be you know a balance of you know, have a third party cookie strategy while also working on first party as well. So for, and just for everyone, uh, first party is more the uh, first party cookies that you own. So you get first party data or it's forms that are being filled out by the actual end users to give you information about themselves. Uh, You know, if you work on a strategy for capturing that data and start to build that in and, and start to use it, leverage it a bit more, but I think you can sort of have a balance of, you know, purchasing data for prospecting and uh, getting new users. And there's actually like, if you use Adobe audience manager uh, there's an audience marketplace uh, that's there uh, that's available to be used today uh, if you haven't used it before. And then also, you know, look at what, how can we build a first party strategy? How can we, you know, get more people to sign up maybe, for example, on on an airline site, you run a you run a contest for a free flight, uh, and you start to collect those emails and to get first party data. Yeah. Just yeah. very simple example. I'm sure that's been yeah. <laughs> thought of before, but
1: but I think yeah. You raised a good point. Uh, because I think in order to if you use third party cookie or third party audiences, I think the We are going back to analytics and understanding, I think you need to have good analytics, good attribution modeling to know which audiences that you're buying are really good and which are attributing to your sales funnel. And I think here is, there is a middle ground between first and third party cookies, which is probably, I don't know, some say it's part of the future in this post, let's say, cookie world, which is second party data, where you will then form strategic partnership with some of these audiences, maybe that you buy via third party, uh, but try to do like uh, second party data, which is basically a mix between first party and third party, like uh, the the options that you were telling me, uh, that you were explaining about. So these are, yeah, some of the good points. And I think it's we are going in circles in terms of uh, measuring, Trying to understand what works, what not, experimenting even with audiences, different audiences, and then this fits your optimization and
2: growth. Totally, I, yeah, I think you nailed it. And then I think it all comes back to the customer journey too, and the customer experience. And you can get all the data you want, but it, you know, in the end, if if customers are annoyed <laughs> with the way you're <laughs> using it, it's not gonna be good. I mean you think of your own personal experience i'm sure you've had times where you've seen advertising somewhere and you're like hey wait a minute <laughs> how did i end up <laughs> like seeing this ad in instagram or something like that um you know yeah i i think it's great to, to to test those things but you know you there's you know think about ways that your customers are actually going to you know yeah, be, you be know, delighted in some way right yeah, so
1: exactly great matt I think we are. This has been very interesting for me. I'm curious to see what are some of your next uh, content uh, pieces, your next blog post. Uh, Really encourage everybody to check uh, Matt's work. You share it mostly on LinkedIn, right?
2: Yeah, uh, or you can uh, check out our blog. Uh, It's... um... AlbertaCG.com. And uh, that's our website. Uh, but yes, fo- follow me on, on LinkedIn. I, I try to post uh, regularly. So, or just uh, come say hi. But, uh, this doc, thank you so much for having me. This has been a great discussion. I really yeah. enjoyed it.
1: And we do part two next time you come to Croatia. So I'll make that. My my, my, my trip there is much shorter than yours, so I'll make the effort when you do. (laughs) Okay, perfect.
2: I love it. Thank you so much. I will be there.
1: Thank you, man.
0: CETA is the air transport industry's IT provider, delivering solutions for airlines, airports, aircraft, and governments. Our technology powers more seamless, safe and sustainable air travel. With around 2,500 customers, CETA's solutions drive operational efficiencies at more than 1,000 airports while delivering the promise of the connected aircraft to customers of 18,000 aircraft globally. CETA also provides a technology solution that helps airlines worldwide bring their cabin crew into the digital era with an all-in-one digitalization tool. CROWTAB The tablet application for cabin crew transforms daily airline operations from the ground up, unlocking the highest level of resource optimization, ultimate cost savings, innovative revenue generation opportunities and maximum passenger satisfaction.